Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where for today's issue in Sheer, I wanted to discuss the Benos Lot, the daughters of Lot, and their very controversial story in the Torah in this week's parsha, at least at the moment of this recording. This week's parsha is Parsha's Vayera, and among the many climactic stories that we find in the parsha, we have the overturning of Sodom, which culminates into that story that takes place in the cave between Lot and his daughters when Lot is drunk and the daughters believe that the, uh, the the world has essentially ended, that all of mankind has been destroyed. So they look for some kind of solution to carry on the legacy, to perpetuate the legacy of their father and all of mankind. And we know between the two daughters of Lot, the two surviving daughters of Lot and Lot himself, so you could imagine what exactly they came up with and um, Lot was made to become intoxicated, and the rest was really history. So I wanted to talk about that and about a pretty well-known story. Some might call it legendary by nature, but this story is reported in the Egros Moshe. It's in the intro to Chelek Ches, to the eighth um portion of the Egros Moshe, which is a, a halachic safer from Rav Moshe Feinstein, but he relates the story that I wanted to discuss and what exactly we could take from that story. It's one of perhaps the most powerful and frightening stories um, pro- probably to be reported in uh, such a way, and I want to talk about that, and I think there's a bigger Hashkafic issue that will emerge from that, but before we do, I wanted to thank our sponsors. So we have um, generously sponsored and anonymously Luli Nishmas Shmuel Menachem Ben Arielib, Leah Bas Avraham, and Yehuda Chizdi Akir Ben Rav Shlomo. Their neshamas should have an aliyah. Anyone else who wants to sponsor because you enjoy shiurim like this and you believe in what we do here, so please reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. You can make a sponsorship today for whatever dedication, whatever it might be. Okay, so <clears throat> the story that is recorded in the Egros Moshe um, has to do with the daughters of Lot. It starts off with a, a man who was deathly ill, and he had some kind of, of swelling of the tongue. His, his tongue was swelling, and that, that was the main symptom that he was experiencing. And they called in Rav Moshe Feinstein to come to this congregant of his own to come to the deathbed to speak with him. And the, the patient on his deathbed sent everybody out, and Rav Moshe um, was, was left alone with this man. And the man told Rav Moshe that I know why I am dying, and I know why I am suffering in this way, that my, that my tongue is, is, is swelling and it's in so much pain. And the man said to Rav Moshe, the reason why I'm suffering is that last week's parsha was Parshas Vayera. And when I was giving a drasha, when I was giving a shir or a Dvar Torah, whatever it was, on the issue, so he said, I spoke badly about the Benos Lot. Now, Chazal themselves, um, they, they do fault um, the older of the two daughters who named her son Moab, which is a play on the words Me'av from my father, and that was considered to be a 
a sliding of, of the midah of tznias, a lack of tznias in a certain respect. And the other one was, was, was Ben-Ami, which became Amon. Um, but either way, we do find that the Chazal also tell us that Lot's daughters acted L'Shem Shemayim. So even though they did one of, arguably one of the most abominable acts, an act of incest, which in a normal scenario is, is a breach of Gilead Arayos, and it is, um, uh, you know, it is punishable by death, capital crime, one of the big three, but they acted L'Shem Shemayim, and there's a whole sugya to discuss about an Avera that's committed L'Shema. Um, but that said, this individual, he berated the Benos Lot, and he, he said, I don't even know how it can possibly be that David HaMelech could descend from them, because we know that David HaMelech comes from Rus, who came from Moab. But he was saying, not, you know, um, to, put it, to put it simply, not nice things about the Benos Lot. And he said that last night I had a dream. And these two old women appeared to him. Their faces were covered. They were in robes. And they were, they were dressed very modestly. And they were these very old women. And they came to him and they said, You are suffering now because you spoke ill about us. You spoke badly about us. And we acted L'Shem Shemayim. And the reason why we acted the way we did and the reason why um, we even, in a certain sense, tried to publicize the nature of our act with our father to perpetuate the legacy of what we knew in the future would be the coming of Mashiach from David HaMelech. So we did, we, we, the reason why we specified, or at least in the older one specified, Moav, Me'av, even though it was considered in a certain sense to be not Sneas, but to understand why we did this, we didn't want anyone to think that Mashiach is someone that comes from an immaculate conception, right? Like other religions try to suggest, we wanted to make sure it was known that this was someone who was born of, of a union between man and woman. And that is why we acted the way we did. But we were completely L'Shem Shemayim. We didn't know that there, you know, that, that it wasn't the end of mankind as, as everyone knew it. And that's why we did what we did. And because you spoke Lashon Hara about us, because you slandered us the way you did, you're suffering the same way the Miraglim did, that they had their, their tongues swell until they, you know, they, they exploded and, and until, or until they, they, you know, they, they, they died. And that's going to happen to you now. And so the man relates this to Rav Moshe, and the man wants to do a vidu, he wants to do a teshuva, and so he confesses this. And then the man turned and faces the wall, and then he passes away. Thus relates Rav Moshe Feinstein, in his masterwork, the Agros Moshe. Now, it's a powerful story, and it's a frightening story. The question is, what exactly do we do with a story like this? And I think there are many directions that we can go in if we think about the implications of the Benoslo, why they did what they did, what we can learn about, you know, when it comes to um, our, um, our heroes, where they come from. They come from the union of man and woman, sometimes even the less flattering kind of a union. There's much that can be said, but I want to speak specifically to the point of what the person ostensibly did wrong and to think about how even in the area of Torah learning, we can maybe 
not be careful enough and maybe possibly step on some kind of a landmine and, and, and wonder that maybe we could have been better. And when consider the, the, the Benos Lot. So there, 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 there are really two things I want to I wanna focus on. One has to do with Chazal's faulting of the Benos Lot. And then the other has to do with this individual's faulting of the Benos Lot. I'll explain exactly what I mean. I want to, and I think both lessons really point to a particularly important issue of how we talk about certain things, even when we are communicating it as Torah, even when we are looking for the MS, trying to find the truth of the matter. Because I think that sometimes in that pursuit of truth, sometimes we actually do make a mistake and it has nothing to do with truth or false. It has everything to do with how we present and the hashkafa of the matter, right? Something, you know, like and I, when I talk about the hashkafa, hashkafa sometimes is seen as a fluffy word. People don't know, really know what the word hashkafa means. I think it has important implications. We have to we have to not shy away from the meaning of hashkafa and try to explain right now what that word means. To differentiate between something like halacha and hashkafa. Right? Halacha is like the rule of the matter. And you might say that there are certain facts on the ground, right? Um, when it comes to hashkafa, Hashkafa is more about an attitude, an outlook, a way we approach something, a way we think about something, right? The, the halacha might be what it is, right? Or the MS of the matter, the truth of the matter might be the way it is, but that doesn't necessarily speak to what our hashkafa should be on the matter. So the reason why I'm, I'm splitting the hairs here is because I think hashkafa has everything to do with the difference between how we present things and how we relate to and think of things. And it can be the difference between someone who is learning and presenting and thinking about Torah the right way and someone who is not doing it in, in a careful way and chas v'shalom can be, um, can, can be uh, setting themselves up in a snare of, of chas v'shalom suffering for misrepresenting something or, not even, or not, maybe not just misrepresenting, but lacking in a certain reverence. So... If everything I said until now is a little bit vague, let me explain. So let, let's let's return to the Benoslo and what Chazal did to differentiate. For example, between the younger daughter of Lot and the older daughter of Lot. Of the two remaining daughters, Lot had a number of daughters. Two of them survived. And one named the child Ben-Ami, the other named the child Moab. And Chazal tell us that the one who named Moab didn't exactly do the right thing. Now, we got to hear her response, we got to hear her defense, and we even got to watch or hear about someone suffering from the way they spoke about her. Okay, fine. But let's go back to Chazal's faulting of, of, the, of the older daughter who named Moab. Chazal say, look how far-reaching the consequences are of the two ways that they decided to present um, their, the, the names of their kids what they decided to go with. The one who called Ben Ben Ami, which is a generic way of explaining this was born of human. Moab is more explicit. It's more graphic. And that is saying, Moab, Moab from the father. So what's the difference? Well, we can get to technically and syntactically what the difference is, or, or even just in basic meaning. But... The Chazal tell us the far-reaching differentiation was that when it came to 
the um, the way we relate to Moab and Amun, Chazal, um, or really the Chumash differentiates between how we should treat them. It right, says Rashi on the word Moab in the Pasuk. It says, Zo, this one, who is not modest, Persha, she was explicit, that the son was conceived from her. Avaltsi'ira, but the younger one, Kra'atu, they named her son Belashanakia. Benami, meaning, um, doesn't say who the father was, but it is of my people, Vikibla Schar. And says Rashi, the younger one did receive a certain Schar, Bime Moshe, Shene'amar, Bivne Amon, for it says regarding the children of Amon, Altiskar Bankalal. You can't provoke them at all. When it comes to Moab, of Moab, lo, he is here, Ela, Shalilachimbam. When it, came, when it comes to Moab, you, the, the Chumash just says, don't wage war with them. But, to, but you are permitted to antagonize them, to trouble them. Whatever that means, the difference, right? They, they both acted L'Shem Shemayim. And so both of them would not be, you know, would not be able to be targets of war from the, from the B'nai Yisrael. However, because of one being more graphic and one being less graphic, now, they're both telling the truth, and they both had a L'shem Shemayim message. And the L'shem Shemayim message was MS, and it was true, and it was important. But notice the difference between just the one who used a little bit more of a cleaner Lashon, and the one who was a little bit less explicit, and the one who was more explicit. Now, this is not to say that there isn't a time and place for being explicit about things. Right? The, uh, we, we know that when it comes to Chassan and Kala classes. So... You're not supposed to be ambiguous, and you're not supposed to speak in metaphor. But a, but a, but a chassan or kala teacher is supposed to be very explicit because that is the scenario where it's appropriate, where it's absolutely necessary. But I feel like I, I've seen this and I've heard this, and usually it, 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 this comes back to the the difference between hashkafa, right? Some people where I, I feel like the more um, you could say that the less Hamish, the less yeshivish maybe, the, that a person is, the more likely they are to speak in a coarse and more graphic or more explicit way. And sometimes, maybe you'll, you'll have like a younger, maybe more millennial kind of a, of a, if you want to call it an educator or a mechanech, and obviously it depends on the crowd, but I do feel like there are people, and I, I don't just feel this, I've seen it and I've heard it, where people are more... Um, are more, I guess, I don't know, they are less um, timid about talking about the the inion of marital relations. And they'll even use more explicit words than marital relations to talk about something even in Torah. Now, yes, you might find that some of the Rishonim use those words. And in the, maybe in, 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 the, in the Talmudic Hebrew or Aramaic, it was totally appropriate but for us in our day and age, just to use certain words that have certain connotations, it's a little bit brazen. It's a little bit chutzpahdik that like, you know, and that's really what it is. It's, you know, you're, you're being very explicit and you don't necessarily have to. And Chazal are telling us right here, a hashkafa that doesn't just have implications for what your attitude is on something, but the, 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 the hashkafa here had so, such far reaching impact, the difference between who was going to be antagonized, who was not. And we, we had 
a, a, a share way back um, at the beginning of, of uh, the database podcast where we, where we spoke about Lashon Naki, and not just clean Lashon, but the Lashon of, of, of Tzach Venaki, that it's eloquent, it's clean, it's pristine. And uh, someone with Torah Hashkafa knows how to be careful with their words. If they're, you know, we, the, the fact that we can have a vocabulary that's a little bit higher level, that it's, it's more, not, it's not just more lofty, but it's it's more eloquent, it's more sophisticated, where you don't have to say certain things. And some people, I feel like they coarsely just choose something more explicit when they don't have to. And apparently there's a big difference between someone who has a sensitive hashkafa, right? People think, oh, you're a prude because you want to speak a certain way. No, that, that's called being hashkafically sound. Right, and it's a di- it is it is a difference between hashkava, but it's a, not just a difference between hashkava. It's a difference between between perhaps even longer lasting impact, as Chazal are showing us. That's one thing I wanted to focus on: that someone who is giving over Torah, right? You're giving over Dvar Torah, and you want to talk about something that maybe it touches on one of those issues. Maybe it's Nida, maybe it's Taras Mishpacha, maybe it is some other halacha that has to do with Kiddushin, whatever it might be. Maybe it has to do with Giloy Arayos. But there are many different ways of referring to something without being explicit. And there are times where when you don't need to, it's not, you know, we don't, it's not a sign of maturity to be explicit, but it's a, it's a sign of brazenness and it's a sign of coarseness. And maybe it would be worth it to not, to, to, to not just not do that and to, to be more sensitive. So that's one thing that I think is important that we can all take away from the Benoslot. But then we go to the criticism of the Benoslo, right? So, um, and when I say the criticism, I don't mean the Chazal trying to teach us Torah about the criticism of them, but I think um, w- um, something that, you know, that we get from the story of the individual who was speaking about them, right? So even when you're speaking Torah, there's a way to say something that's more sensitive. There's a way to say something that's less explicit. But then when we talk about how we relate to these, not just these halachic issues or these, these um, um, the, the issues of Aveira or the issues of even mitzvahs that involve something like marital relations, but how we relate to the individuals that we speak about. Because if what the Chumash is trying to tell us is that the Benos Lot, they did an Aveira Lashma, and we'll put the emphasis right now on Aveira, right? Because we know the Lashma part's important. But if they, if they did an Aveira, not only an Aver, but one of the worst Averis you could think of. Right, but now we're going to say they did a Lishma. So, whether, or, you know, what, 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 um, you know the, I, I guess the question is whether the Avera was great or it was not great. When Chazal are, are indicating that they did a Lishma, so they are now telling us not just what they did, but they're telling us a certain Hashkafa that, 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 that under that's underlying the act that they did. And apparently that's a hashkafa that's supposed to speak to us about how we relate to them. This person was berating the Ibn Oslot. And he was not just being explicit necessarily about what they did. I'm not saying that he was speaking you know, in a, in a coarse and, and a provocative way. Maybe he wasn't. But the way he was discussing the Ibn Oslot in a bad light, even if what they did, I mean, I'll pee derecha emes, Right, and I, and I mean this in the the pashup shot way. Al pidarech emes that they, you know, the the um, they, they did something wrong. You know, at least to to the plain pashup shot eye, they did something wrong. But even so, the way we relate to them is apparently has to be with a sense of reverence, All right? Because we weren't there. We don't know the story. The chumash tells us a bit, 
But that's about it. It tells us what it tells us, and that's and that's it. And Chazal tell us you got to be careful. And this person just wasn't careful. Now, the reason why I think this speaks to us is this is how Chazal are describing people who did an Avera in one of the worst Averos. Now, we're, not, we're clearly not talking about a Russia in the Torah. We're not talking about Bilam. We're not talking about Esau. We're not talking about Lavan. You know, we are, we are, ta- we are talking about um, other individuals, the Benos Lot. But Chazal are telling us that they spoke, um, that, that they acted Lishma. And Rav Moshe is apparently telling us from this story was that indeed they, they did and they even defended themselves. And wow, how careful you apparently have to be before you speak about them. This is important because in the modern world in which we live, where there's a lot, a lot of contemporary writing and analysis and, and, and um, just biblical study, scholarship having to do with various stories in the Chumash, now we can have a separate discussion about the danger of being overly creative when it comes to, um, or even creative at all, when, when it comes to interpreting the Chumash. There is certainly a place for discussion like that. The, the, I think the first, uh, the first place we go to when you have a discussion like that is see what the Mepharshim say, because you, know, you, you don't want to just go off on a limb when trying to interpret what it says in the Chumash. But let's say even where you could find a Makom to be critical of not a Balavera, like the Benoslot, in their Lishma way, but let's say we're talking about the Abos. Let's say we are talking about Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov. Let's say we are talking about Yosef Atzadik, whoever it may be. There, Chazal don't tell us that they, you know, I guess you would say in, in some places they, there were times that Chazal will tell us that maybe they did the wrong thing. Or a Rishon will tell us. The Ramban says that Avraham made uh, a mistake. He says Avraham made a big blunder and a sin when he took Sarah or Sarai, last week's Parsha in Lechacha, down to Mitzrayim and put her in danger of being uh, molested by Paro, and maybe even for her life. So even if there is such an approach, but that does not mean that we relate to them in a way, or to present them in a way that lacks that absolute reverence. And this is a hashkafa, right? This is not a question of what... The narrative said, right? Like, I would say for sure, if you're going to try to give an interpretation that somehow portrays um, people like the Avos or even uh, members of Chazal or, or people from the Chumash, what, you know, I'm talking specifically about the people that were not labeled Rishayim by Chazal. So if you're going to try to relate to them, Especially, you know, when, when, um, when you might have a story in either Midrashim or in Agadata and the Gemara that p- perhaps portrays them in not the best light. Um, but if you on your own are going to try to come up with an interpretation that's not going to present them in a good light. So that, that would be on its face a lack of reverence. And now you might say, now listen, what if it's true? Am I trying to hide the truth? So the question is, well, maybe it depends. Like, how are you presenting it? And I would say that if it has to do with your own interpretation, I would say not only think twice, but I would say you'd have to think a uh, hundred times 
because you got to make sure you really understand the story if you're trying to get the best out of it. If the question is uh, how I can learn for myself, what I should be doing, what would be right, what would be wrong, and maybe you can discuss that with a Rebbe based on a story. You can say that this behavior from this Tana, this Amora, or this person in the Chumash doesn't seem like it's correct. So then you can, then you can discuss it. And if, 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 if that's really where it's coming from, right? If it's Lashma, if it's Lashem Shemaim, and if it's for the sake of MS, so then there's room for that discussion. But that all comes with the reverence for the topic at hand, and not just the topic, but for the individuals that you're talking about, these real-life individuals who apparently were really holy. That even if the Ramban, let's say it is MS, let's say it is MS that Avraham made a mistake in one of his tests. Or let's say that, um, you know, Yosef was on his way to do an Avera, even though there are multiple interpretations. Let's say Noah would not have been as great as Avraham. Right? Pick any of the stories you could think of. Let's say Yaakov Avinu made a mistake in how he treated Yosef against all the other brothers. What if maybe Yaakov had shady um, tactics, at least seemingly shady tactics, which he was ordered to do by his mother when it came to getting the brachos? Let's say all of these things happened. Now, there might be interpretations that actually portray it in a better light, and maybe for a good reason. Now, we can discuss whether what seems to be most compelling, what seems to be truth, but even when, it's not just how you package it, but the hashkafa of how you relate to these individuals, right? If there's something that is a sensitive issue for some reason, so you're not necessarily a hero for, for blurting it out and being explicit about something that you say, oh, this is the truth, it's MS, but... One second, who are we talking about? What are we talking about? If your own father did something wrong and you respect your father, you're going to talk about it differently. If your fa- Again, if your father did something that which, which um, I'll be push up shot, I'll be the MS, was the wrong thing to do, there's going to be a different way that you're going to talk about that than the way you will talk about it if some lowlife committed the same crime. And... It might be because it's, it's done differently. It's maybe one was L'shem Shemai, maybe one wasn't. Or, or maybe not. Maybe it was a real, it was a genuine mistake a person gave into the Eid Sahara. But how we talk about the Avos, and maybe how you talk about a, a Rav, or, or some, a, a Rabbi, or a Machanech, someone that you maybe felt did the wrong thing. But if you have respect for the person, and you should, if someone is involved in Torah, if someone is a fellow Jew, and maybe they did something controversial. Maybe they were known for something controversial. But to have a certain reverence to say, maybe there was an aspect of that that's L'shem Shemayim, and I should be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit less coarse, a little bit less explicit about how I talk. And of course, yes, there is a time and a place where you do have to be more explicit about some things. But being brazen just for the sake of being brazen, being explicit just for the sake of being explicit. So again, that doesn't make you a hero, and it doesn't make you a master mechanic, and it doesn't make you... Um, you know, it, it doesn't make you anything better. And if anything, we learn from the Benos Lod who acted L'shem Shemayim, whom Chazal Halas acted L'shem Shemayim. We see the difference between how they portrayed things and how they discussed things. And we see from the story about the Benos Lot, about the person who spoke about the Benos Lot, how maybe there's a different way you can portray something and it will make a big difference. So I think that's a hashkafa that we, that, that we need to continue to ingrain in ourselves. And if we notice other people not holding to that hashkafa, we have to realize that it's not just a difference in interpretation. It's not just a difference in uh, a difference of opinion, or, uh, but it's, it's, an, it's a difference in hashkafa, meaning the facts can all be true.
we can we, you know we we can take the version of you can take the worst version of the story and say that this is what happens, and again we we can question whether or not we should do that. It could be the hashkafa, the proper hashkafa, the Torah hashkafa would tell you to take the most down the kavshlus approach to some of these things. But let's say we're taking the worst version for granted. Even that, how you talk about it, how you how you speak about such things, has to be not just with utmost sensitivity, but with utmost reverence, especially when we're talking about something like the avos. And if 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 if, if we if this is how we have to talk about the benos lot, then then kavachomer benosho kavachomer, how we talk about the avos, how we talk about um, people on such a on such a level. And yes, that sensitivity and that reverence should exist for people in our own circles. It should exist for Rabbanim in our own circles. But I, but I, I think you get the idea. And if there's one thing here, it's, it's, it's the hashkafa and the difference between how that hashkafa will uh, manifest itself in something so simple and yet something I think that's also so profound at the same time. But imagine something as simple as a hashkafa and as simple as a figure of speech how much that might make a difference. And, um, you know, you can, if you, if you have any thoughts on this, you can always reach out to me at the database at gmail.com if you, you know, if you agree or disagree or you think I'm getting something wrong. But I, I think that we see from, again, the way Chazal portrayed the Benoslot and the way Rav Moshe in the story tells us about the Benoslot, um, um, how far, um, how far of a, of an impact and how much of a difference that might make. Anyway, in the meantime, let's keep it real. Let's keep talking. And most importantly, let's keep the Torah plus the Torah Hashkafa. Thank you for joining us here at the database.